Howdy listeners from coast to coast, from the Gulf to Canada and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Well, is there enough going on for you? Enough confusing, conflicting nonsense? No. Let, let me see if I can kind of straighten the arrow for you today's show. We are going to, of course, have our founders quote. I'm going to give you the history of public opinion polling, particularly when it comes to election polling, because, you know, polls ain't what they used to be, but you'll see what I'm saying. And, of course, there'll be the rest of the story. And we're going to go over, as I went over last week, kind of uh, updated you on all the really key Senate races, which nobody seems to want to do, and gave you the real statistics as to who is up and who is down and where it's a seesaw and where you need to contribute. Remember, take action page on the right side radio, all sorts of places. You click, you can contribute on the folks that we're recommending in tight races in all sorts of levels around the country. And this week we have, and I'm going to go over it again. I mean, we are three weeks from the election, folks. We have a bunch of clicks for you where people have 400 to 1,500 to 2,500% matches. Uh, That's pretty good. You know, you put in five bucks and you've contributed 125 bucks to the campaign. You need to get off the couch, get some skin in the game. This is your country. This is your life. This is your freedom. And today we're going to go over some of the key congressional races around the country. I'm going to tell you where they sit, where it's a maybe, and where it's uh, not looking too good if you don't step up. And then we are going to have a huge rat-a-tat-tat. We might have a little economic news mixed in there, which is going to suck. How's that? I'll just, I'll give you the economic science. It sucks. How's that? And we're going to be going over everything from A to Z in rat-a-tat-tat today. Did you know about the admission that Pfizer made in parliamentary hearings at the EU just like a day ago, oh, it's not going to make you very happy, particularly if you've had the jab. I'll just leave it at that. Okay, let's get going because time is short and the news is long here on the Right Side Radio. First of all, our founders quote, how about Ben Franklin? Common sense is something that everyone needs, few have, and none think they lack. Isn't that true? And I'm going to give you one more from Ben because It's really apropos to this election cycle, the press and the polls, as you'll find out. Believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. Ben had it nailed, didn't he? He really did. Let's talk about our ranch story for this week. You know, it's a really kind of strange fall out here in the Rocky Mountains, in the hinterlands, the end of the road places, high up in the high country. And here in Wyoming, we have a, an extended fall. It's really one of the longest I ever remember. The trees down here on the headquarters ranch, they're only like 30% turned. I mean, we're coming up to mid-October. It's amazing. The trees up on the upper ranches, <clears throat> that's 8,000 feet. I mean, that's kind of getting up there, folks. They're not fully turned, maybe 90%. But <laughs> the leaves are still on the trees. By this time, usually they're gone. And other weird signs. You know, the elk usually talk during the rut. September and the first week or two of October is the elk rut. The bulls are bugling, gathering up the herds or at one another as they vie for the romantic attentions of the cows. There's like no talking going on. It's almost silent out there in the timber. I don't think I've heard two bugles in the last two weeks. Usually you're serenaded all night long. Very strange fall. And could it be, there's no moral to this story this week. This is just a question. Could it be that the energies, which are so off-base, off-kilter, 
slanted, misdirected, converging and conflicting around the world in every aspect, it seems, of the natural, human, and animal cycle? Could it be that all these energies are interconnected? Could it be that when one set of energies is off-kilter, off-base, and wobbly, that it affects all other energies on the planet? I'll leave that as a question for you to wonder. And now let's talk about the history of polling. You know, public opinion polls are now conducted like every topic under the sun, right? From uh, presidential approval ratings to celebrity outfits to sports predictions, but they remain fundamental to your misdirection. Let me underline that, your misdirection when it comes to the study of elections. Going back in 1937, there was this quarterly, public opinion quarterly. It was founded, in fact, in January of 1937. And it's really kind of the beginnings of modern scientific polling in United States presidential elections. The first issue had an essay in it, Straw Polls in 1936. And it explained how George Gallup, that's right, this is when Gallup started, how he had a quota-controlled survey of a few thousand people and how that actually came out to be more accurate over what was called the Literary Digest straw poll of millions of Americans incorrectly predicting the election outcome in 1936. And that's really when modern polling began, or should we say people's misplaced faith in modern polling. There's now been an explosion of election polls in the United States. There was a 900%, that's 900%, increase in polling between 1984 and 2000. And that number has almost doubled, right? Think about that. 18x increases in the amount of polls that are run through your ears and flashed in front of your eyes. And, you know, there's all sorts of actors in the polling place. There's those that want you to think one thing. There's those that want you to think another. And then, of course, there's those who actually try and get it right. And, unfortunately, they've become fewer and fewer and further and further between. In the 2008 election, you know, remember our friend Obama getting elected for the first time? There was an estimated 975 presidential questions and over a million interviews which were conducted between Labor Day and Election Day. Did you know that now, starting in fact after 2008, that polling for the next presidential election begins the day, the day after the election just concluded? <laughs> polling started after the 2020 election, the day after the election for 2024. And one of the things which has changed for the better in polling is that there are now several polling aggregation websites where there's kind of a number of different polls in one case, which I'm going to give you so that you have a place to go track polls accurately and have some basis to compare them on and understand them. And that's 538.com. So these aggregate, you know, a number of polls, 10 polls to come up with kind of a moving average, which seems to be given the outliers because of Democratic polls and Republican polls and who knows, you know, socialist polls and capitalist polls. That seems to be the way to really get your finger on kind of the pulse of an election. But as we all know, folks, and I'm going to tell you this several times during the show, the real poll is Election Day. That's the real poll. And that's the poll that matters. And that's the poll, even if you've never been called, ever, in your whole life, by some pollster somewhere, with or without an ulterior motive, that's the poll that you get to participate in. So polling, like anything else, unfortunately, in today's 
political or current event worlds. It's really a question of the motivation and the methods of the folks that are doing the polls. And there has been a healthy degree of skepticism increasingly bubbling to the surface over polling over the last, oh, give or take six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Think about the polls back there when Trump was elected. I mean, Hillary was going to kick his butt by 16 points or whatever it was. Actual polling, even though it kind of started with Gallup in 1936, straw polls went back 100 years before that to the 1824 presidential election. Very informal heat tallies, as they called them, were taken in taverns and militia offices and at public meetings. One of the biggest blow-ups in polling occurred in the 1948 election. That was Dewey versus Truman. And all the polls had Dewey winning. In fact, some of them had him winning by a landslide. It was so certain, and I think you may have seen the photographs around it, it's famous, where the newspapers before the election had election day copies printed saying Dewey wins or Dewey wins in a landslide. There's actually a picture of Harry Truman holding up one of those newspapers and grinning the day after the election since Truman won the election. That absolutely horrible showing by the pollsters led a guy by the name of Frederick Mosteller to outline eight different metrics to assess polling accuracy. As an example, his uh, measure number three was the average absolute error on all major candidates between the prediction and the actual results. His measure number five was the absolute value of the difference between the margin that separated the two leading candidates in the poll and the difference in the margins of the actual vote. And understand that pollsters can conduct a poll in a whole bunch of different ways, right? They call it design decisions. The mode, the timing, the sampling method, the question formulation, the weighting of a question in the overall configuration of the poll versus other questions. And every one of these method decisions can and will potentially bias the results of the poll. In fact, they've done research the number and type and all this methodology, and whether or not the poll is taken on a weekend or a weekday can affect the poll. And then, of course, you have how undecided voters are treated in a poll and what the definition of likely voters are in a poll. That's a great example. Let me, let me use that as an indication of how a poll can be skewed intentionally, usually, or unintentionally, it happens. In terms of defining likely voters, which obviously are more important than people who don't vote when it comes to elections, pollsters typically rely on self-reported measures of voter registration or vote history. In other words, they just take people's words for it. But the models very rarely research actual political participation of the people who are in the poll. Nor do they count state-level factors, such as registration requirements, early voting rules, or in recent years, you know, mail your ballot in 90 days before without dates, etc. And research that's been done on some of these pollings has found that more than 40%, this is a huge number, 40% of respondents changed their voting intention at least once during a campaign. That was a study by Hilligus and Shields in 2008. One of the things which greatly influences People's perception of polls and how polls are ranked by experts. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a few minutes to help you understand polls and get a feel for what's going on is the lack of method transparency. 
you know? The lack of transparency seems to be a problem in about everything nowadays, doesn't it? Particularly when it comes to government and it comes to politicians and it comes to politics. Well, when you don't know how a poll was constructed, when you don't know what methods were used, then you really don't know how reliable that poll is or whether it was done with a biased or an unbiased intent. Remember Ben Franklin's quote? <laughs> Believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. And speaking of methodology, how about how many women, how many men, what age ranges, any other gender types uh, in today's woke age, race, location and country, independent? By the 1960s, just so you know, the public opinion polls, which were gearing up like in everything and everywhere, became central to campaign strategies and to issues and to test messages and to identify persuadable voters. And polls became kind of a key part of a presidential campaign and an independent read of public opinion and giving them some kind of autonomy from Congress, from the media, from the courts. In other words, using polling to kind of go out and do what they want, even though in most cases the polls are totally contrived. You've even seen polls being used to try and uh, influence the Supreme Court decisions. The Supreme Court shouldn't do this or that because uh, 78% of the people, you know, favor uh, the control of guns or whatever it happens to be. This, of course, goes right back to what we talked about last week, an attack on faith, family, and the Constitution. For instance, the Constitution is the Constitution. The Supreme Court's job is not to decide a case. It's to decide whether A, B, or C is constitutional or not constitutional. Not on how many people like this or like that, particularly in some purposely skewed poll. What polls do for politicians, however, is it lets them know roughly, assuming the polls are not skewed or biased, how to communicate with citizens, whom to contact, what they are willing to say in public. And it allows candidates to more efficiently target resources to particular subjects or to a particular portion of the electorate. You know, polls are particularly helpful, internal polls, to the Democrats. Because remember, what they do is they create, literally, they convince people that they are victims. And then they take these various groups of victims that they have created and they stitch them together in a voting constituency. What's really interesting is that you only hear part of the story from politicians and it doesn't matter what side of the aisle. Let me give you an example. In 2004, the presidential candidates took positions on more than 75, 75 policy issues in their direct mail because of targeting which was arrived at through polling. I mean, wedge issues like abortion and gay marriage and stem cell research were never mentioned in television advertising or radio advertising, which appealed to a broadband or reached a broadband of the public. So what polls have done is they've stratified political and election communications. You're not getting the full story if you're seeing a TV ad or you're seeing a speech on TV or hearing one on the radio. You're only getting part of the story. Because your message has been shaped by these polls to be general. The specific message on maybe some of the topics that are touched in the speech, that's out by direct mail or direct email. And as faith in polling has decreased, and by the way, rightfully so, other things have begun to emerge as predictions of certain actions, lack of acts, and yes, elections. Have you ever heard of the Iowa electronic market? Listen to this. So people on this market buy and sell candidate futures. You know, it's like a commodities market, but for candidates. And it's based on 
who these betters, if you will, think will win the election. Let me give an example. On September 1, 2008, Obama futures were selling for 60 cents, which indicated that the traders in this Iowa electronic market expected Obama to win 60% of the vote in the November election. And by the way, many people follow these types of predictive mechanisms because prediction markets, which is what these are, they kind of aggregate the informed expectations about who is going to win from those who are willing to put money behind their judgments. In other words, they're willing to back their bet. And then there's macroeconomic models that are used. And that began in the 1970s, you know, with the last great inflation and the last stagnation and the last economy like this one that we saw back then. And different researchers base things on different types of economic quotients, if you will. GDP growth, job growth, unemployment. And they use that to predict where votes are going to flow and who is going to win or lose. One of the things that's clear as you research this is that there are very few single polls that can be trusted. And they vary from election cycle to election cycle. The current favorite, and it was in the last election also, is Trafalgar. They seem to have the least biased polls, but they're not infallible either. The way to really get a feel for how a candidate is doing or how an issue is doing is to go to one of these polling aggregate sites that I was telling you about. There's pollster.com, there is realclearpolitics.com, and then the one that I like the best is put together by a guy by the name of Nate Silver, 538.com. Spell out 538.com. 538.com ranks the polls that they aggregate for each topic or each candidate. They give them kind of an A through X, if you will, kind of like school grades. And I don't even look at the polls that are B, C, D, or E, which are listed on that website. I only look at the A-rated polls, and there's very few of them, folks. By the way, to give you an idea how many people follow this stuff, he gets like over 5 million unique visitor hits a year and over 30 million site visits. In fact, in the 2008 campaign, 538.com got 32.18 million page views. You think polls are important? You bet. And of course, the rest of the story. The point is of this historical story is that polls have been corrupted just as many other things have been corrupted over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You cannot trust, remember Ben Franklin's quote, you cannot trust what you see and hear. You do your research, you go to the polling aggregate sites, you go only with the A polls, and you can do the math yourself. You can take the three A polls out of the 15 that are listed and do the average. That will give you probably not a 100% accurate, but the most accurate feel for an election or an election trend that you can get. Now let's talk about elections. Gee, what a transition from polling to elections. So last week I brought you up to speed, and please listen to it if you did not, on the rightsideradio.com. Once again, right in the middle of the homepage, the Take Action link, and you need to take action, folks. I brought you up to speed on the senatorial races, the close ones, the key ones around the country. Remember how important the Senate is. They approve judges, and they approve treaties. There's been a little bit of movement in those Senate races since last week. You've noticed I've added Mike Lee from Utah. Believe it or not, what's happening in many races around the country, even in local races like state legislature races, is the Democrats are putting up so-called independents to try and siphon votes away from the Republican so that the Democrat wins. And the same is going on in Utah. By the way, aided and abetted by, oh yes, Mitt Romney, you know, Liz Cheney's 
Tal Rhino. He's actually backing Ed McMullen, an anti-Trumper, <laughs> a social Democrat in disguise as an independent, and Mike Lee is only like a point or two ahead. He was 11 points ahead two months ago. Mike Lee is a staunch conservative and constitutional senator. He needs some support. And Utah, what, what is going on with you folks out there? You elect Mitt Romney, and now you're, you're <laughs> Ed McMullen, Gagme, is trending? I mean, folks, Utah, wake up. And Tim Herschel in Georgia, his race is getting tougher and tougher. And, of course, uh, his so-called scandal, paying perhaps for an abortion or a girlfriend in 2009, that's all over the press. However, that tilted press, well, they're not mentioning uh, Mr. Warnock, you know, the Democratic incumbent in Atlanta. They're not mentioning him getting arrested for interfering with an official investigation into his summer day camp, you know, sexual molestation and uh, brutality toward the female campers. Yeah, he actually got arrested because he interfered with the investigation. Now, why would somebody interfere with an investigation into those types of acts? I'll let you answer that question. And Tiffany Smiley up there against Patty Murray, gag me, Patty Murray, 30-year corrupt and Democratic incumbent in the state of Washington. She's within two points now. And Dr. Oz up there in Pennsylvania has now pulled neck and neck after being down about 10 points with Fetterman, the communist. He's not even socialist, folks. The communist Democratic candidate. These folks need your support. Let's talk about the congressional races around the country. Jake Elzey in Texas, former military, in Congress, needs a little help, having a tough go of it down there, although ahead. John James in Michigan, this guy rocks, another combat vet. With what's going on in our military, we need all the veterans we can get in Congress to protect our military, particularly with Russia and China running amok. John James, Congress. Lisa Scheller in Pennsylvania. She's surging, but she still has a ways to go. Once again, another key congressional seat. Carolyn Levitt in New Hampshire. Yeah, now New Hampshire ain't red, folks. She has a real chance to get that seat in Congress. Give her some help. Captain Hung K, that's C-A-O, U.S. Navy, retired, Virginia. He is surging also. In fact, he's just kind of moving into the lead. Help him out. Put him over the finish line. And then we have a congressional leadership tab, which is a 15X match. And then we have Luna, a gal, Florida's 5th Congressional District, a new district based on the census, which, by the way, was deliberately skewed against red states. And she has a 1,500% match. I mean, 10 bucks goes a long way when it's multiplied 15 times, folks. Next week, we're going to talk in more depth. And there's several others, too. If they're listed on that page, the race is tight. They need your support. And next week, we're going to talk about some of the governors and executives that are running in various states, which are critical. Carrie Lake, Arizona. Tim Michels, Wisconsin. Greg Abbott, Texas. Brian Kemp, Georgia. Tudor Dixon in Michigan. She's within four points now of that Witch Whitmer. Mark Fincham, Arizona Secretary of State. Neck and neck. Jim Schultz, Minnesota. Minnesota. He's about to beat Ellison, right? Radical Islamist communist Ellison, right? Do you remember Ellison from the corrupt Democratic National Committee? And there's other tabs, 13X and 15X matches for House Republicans, uh, 10X match for state legislatures, the Republican State Leadership Committee. Go to the ontherightsideradio.com homepage, right in the center of the page, says preserve your freedom, take action. Click on that. It'll bring you right to the page, folks. Get involved.
particularly on these match deals, but on all of them. But anytime you can put in 10 bucks or 20 bucks and you get it matched four times or 10 times or 15 times or 25 times in a couple of cases, that's a great investment in your future, your freedom, and what type of life your kids and grandchildren are going to lead. All right, it's rat-a-tat-tat time. And man, do we have a lot of rat-a-tat-tat on all sorts of subjects. <laughs> this is going to boggle your mind, some of these some of these stories. We're going to start off with, I think, one of the most important stories of the last few days. The EU Parliament held hearings, and they were grilling Pfizer executives on the Pfizer jabs. And do you remember, uh, do you remember all the hype and tripe that you were fed by governments and press and Pfizer and Moderna? You know, you need to take the jab to save your neighbor, right? Because you don't want to give anybody COVID, right? Well, guess what a Pfizer executive being grilled in Parliament? By the way, with a laugh. She laughed. I mean, it's unbelievable. We're actually going to post the video on the website under the audio bar, and we'll put it on the COVID page too. And I think we'll put it under family safety. I mean, you need to watch this two-minute video. She laughs and goes, oh, no, uh, we didn't do any research on transmission. That's right. You've been hearing the science, folks. It does not stop transmission of COVID. In fact, it doesn't even stop you from getting COVID. Just the opposite. It has negative efficacy based on science that's coming out right now. Negative efficacy after 30 days. It makes you more likely to get COVID. That's the science. And it doesn't stop transmission at all. And Pfizer finally just admitted to it. Think about all the lies that you've been told. Think about all the discrimination, prejudice, and bludgeoning of unvaxxed people, how they were so selfish because they weren't thinking of their neighbors. Think about the uh, attempted imposition of COVID passports because, you know, if you're not jabbed, you can't travel because you could transmit COVID. Oh, well, (laughs) it seems that whether or not you got the needle, you can transmit or you can receive COVID just dandy. And Pfizer has finally admitted it in a public forum. Watch that video. And then think about the why. Always think about the why. Why did the government and the press and Pfizer push this? We know one motive is money. What are the other motives? We'll discuss that in a future show. And since we're talking about elections today, and we're only three weeks out, here's a big ruling from the Supreme Court just last Tuesday. They wiped out a lower court ruling, the third appeals court, which had ruled that in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania had to accept undated mail-in absentee ballots, even though that's contrary to Pennsylvania state law and the edicts of the Pennsylvania state legislature, which the Constitution of the United States vests sole authority in. And the Third Circuit, you know, because they're woke, the Third Circuit said, well, what trumped all that, you know, the Constitution and, and the Pennsylvania state legislature and the Pennsylvania law, is the fact that, you know, if they weren't counted, it might be in violation of the 1965 Civil Rights Act. Remember our historical story from last week? If not, listen to it on the rightsideradio.com, LBJ. In any event, this all came about because of a local politician running for a judgeship. His name was Ritter. He ultimately lost his election because there were 257, that's it, just 257 undated ballots, mail-in ballots, counted because of the Third Circuit's decision. Well, that's now all been thrown out by the Supreme Court of the United States. You will follow the state laws when it comes to any type of voting or balloting, and those state laws can be made exclusively by the state legislatures. Yes, a return to the Constitution. How nice. 
along those lines in law. So there's now a dozen federal judges, this is just over the last several weeks, that have decided to not hire ever again any students from Yale Law School because of their insanely anti-American liberal thoughts. There's one federal judge who got the ball rolling, and that's Judge James C. Ho, H.O., of the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. He actually wrote a letter, I quote, quote, Yale not only tolerates the cancellation of views, it actively practices it. Starting today, I will no longer hire law clerks from Yale Law School, and I hope that other judges will join me as well, unquote. And in fact, to date, just in a matter of days, 11 other really senior federal judges have issued the same proclamation. A little bit of sanity peeking its way through the woke cloud. And also on elections, George Soros, you know our buddy, the uh, most frequent visitor to Obama's White House 88 times during Obama's presidency. And we've talked about Soros on the right side, radio.com, go to the archives, type in Soros. I've given you a whole history lessons on him. I've told you all about this guy. He is vicious and he is evil. He is a Jew who turned in Jews to Nazis during World War II. I think that kind of gives you an idea. And that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this guy's dark malevolence. Well, now it seems that he is the largest, the single largest donator to super PACs in this entire election cycle. More than $100 million of his bucks, including trying to buy more DA seats. Because, you know, he hasn't wrecked enough cities with bad DAs who, who won't prosecute crime. And the other thing that he's done, quite interesting, he has spent $60 million buying radio stations in Florida and then staffing them with ultra-woke, communist, anti-American broadcast staff to try and influence the elections and whatever else in Florida. Remember Ben Franklin's quote, folks? Believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. And there seems to be no bounds to the craziness or the nastiness or the lack of equal application in these elections. So Carrie Lake, who absolutely rocks, I mean, it's neck and neck down there in Arizona between her and Katie Hobbs. I mean, you don't need to research Carrie Lake, who's terrific. Research Katie Hobbs, you'll gag. Well, they had a forum. Each of them was speaking. Katie was going to speak, and Carrie was going to speak. So Carrie got up and spoke, sits down in the front row of this big auditorium, all public in there, and all of a sudden, these people from the venue come and escort her out before Katie Hobbs takes the stage. So Katie Hobbs got to listen to her presentation and obviously adjust whatever she was going to say. But <laughs> but Carrie Lake didn't even get to attend. Oh, you can't make this stuff up. Our next rat-a-tat-tat is a continuation of a rat-a-tat-tat I brought you last week. This despicable treatment of longtime career officers and enlisted people in all branches of the service related to this jab mandate, regardless of the science, despite the science, despite the problems they're having with recruitment, all of which are tied in, and despite what's going on on the world theater. I mean, it is obviously, this is more than incompetence. It is intentional. And I brought you a video last week. It was under the audio bar. It was in military. It was on the COVID page. This is Tall Tales from Taco interviewing two Marine lieutenant colonels, active duty. Uh, I hope you watched it. Uh, If it doesn't make your blood boil, I don't know what will. I'm bringing you a second video, another interview from Tall Tales with Taco this week. Suffice it to say, this is an in-depth analysis, and it's fascinating in a horrific sort of way, of what the armed forces, the Secretary of 
dense. Lloyd Austin, what a pathetic creep. And President Cadaver are doing to hide what is really going on with these jabs to induce fraudulently service people to take these jabs under threat of losing their retirement, discharge, you name it. You need to watch this video, folks. You need to watch last week's video. You need to write your congressmen and your senators, and you need to raise holy hell. I mean, not only is this flat wrong, morally, patriotically, in every sense of the word, it is also extremely dangerous for America, and therefore, for you, your security, your safety, and your family's security, safety, and freedom. Watch that video. The contortions that the DOD is going through to try and cover the mistakes that they've made to get out of liability and still enforce a mandate which should never have been issued to begin with and is now contrary to science and what they are doing, and I brought you this story in the past, to hide the material adverse effects and deaths that jabs are causing in the military. You need to be acquainted with this, and you need to get your representatives on the stick. I mean, you need to raise hell. And along those lines, this will tell you how dysfunctional the federal government is and the Secretary of Defense, the Department of Defense, the JAG, you know, the attorneys who represent the defense agencies. So this is about two weeks ago. Joe Biden personally called a Coast Guard hero to thank him for his bravery during Hurricane Ian. His name is Zach Loesch, and he was in the thick of the hurricane, rescued a number of people, jumping out of helicopters, rescuing them in baskets, going back for people that had been left behind, going back in one case for an elderly woman's wheelchair, risking his life in surging floodwaters. So Biden called him personally to thank him and to congratulate him on his bravery. Well, guess what? Now Biden's going to fire him because, <laughs> because Zach Loesch refuses to take the jab. This is in the space of three weeks, right? This gentleman who is doing his life work doing his dream, saving people's lives, exhibiting really above and beyond the call of duty bravery, is going to be canned because of the jab mandate. You must watch this video of the interview this week and last week, Tall Tales from Taco. It'll be under military. It will be under the audio bar. It will be on the COVID page on the right side radio.com. And then, of course, we have our friends, the, er, the Chinese. Yes, our friends. You know, sometime in the next few shows, I'm going to tell you exactly what Russia and China have planned for the United States. It ain't pretty, folks. And on the homepage, on the right side radio, right there in the right-hand column, you'll see the Chinese Defense Minister's speech link. If you haven't read it, you really need to read it. I mean, this would be like reading Hitler's Mein Kampf before the Holocaust and World War II and saying, ah, he's just kidding. <laughs> Let me tell you, it'll open your eyes. And listen to my shows on that topic, too. The Chinese government, you know, our friends, in addition to infiltrating every aspect of the Western world, and particularly American life, politics, business, energy, government, you name it, they've now established a police station. I'm, I'm not making this up. In New York City. They established three in Toronto, too. And it's staffed by Red Chinese Police. Okay. This is from Safeguard Defenders. They re released a report last month. 110 overseas stations, police stations, red Chinese police stations in Western countries. Now we have the first one in America. Aren't we lucky? And according to the article, quote, cracking down on all kinds of illegal and criminal activities involving overseas Chinese. Well, the main criminal activities, folks, are, why don't we say, taking any stance or making any public commentary against 
you know, the motherland, Red China, or refusing to report back to Red China, which all Chinese citizens or expatriates are required to do under Red Chinese law, you know, to spy on their host country. And from April 2021 to July 2022, that's just two months ago, the Chinese claim that 230,000 Chinese nationals have been, should we say, repatriated from Western countries, persuaded to return is the exact words they use. Listen, the methods that are used involve intimidation, imprisoning a criminal target's family, having CC proxies threaten the target online or in person, all to get them to voluntarily return because, you know, we don't want any naysayers out there talking smack about the CCP in Western countries. No, no, no. That might interfere with their their espionage and their subversion of Western life and their unflinching march toward world domination. And along the red Chinese lines, you know, social scoring, complete control, PayPal, this was last weekend, they were going to test a Chinese Communist Party style kind of social credit system. (laughs) Uh, You'll love this. This is PayPal, folks. Uh, You might want to think about it if you want to use PayPal anymore at all for anything. I mean, do not feed the enemy. But they were going to find users, that's users of PayPal, who spread misinformation or presented a risk to others' well-being, unquote, as much as $2,500 per incident. And by the way, the decisions on the guilt and innocence were to be made at, I quote, the sole discretion, unquote, of PayPal, who would then unilaterally extract the fines from the funds users deposited into their PayPal accounts. Now, obviously, there was an uproar, a huge blowback, and they made a hasty retreat. But the very fact that they tried it, the very fact they thought about it, ought to tell you where that company's at. Don't do business with them. Back to the military. Quote, America's military faces a window of maximum danger, unquote. This is from a Marine who's turned into a lawmaker, Mike Gallagher. And he warns, and folks, I've told you the same thing. The U.S. is far more vulnerable to losing a war with either Russia or China, and certainly with the two of them allied together, than the public recognizes or wishes to recognize. Now, the question then becomes, uh, do the elites want America to lose the war? Probably so. Because remember, America is the only thing that stands between them and their dream of, should we say, uh, the New World Order, the Great Reset. Also along military lines, I didn't report it to you, but approximately a month ago, two Russian warships and five sophisticated Chinese warships have been cruising off the coast of Alaska, gathering intelligence and making dastardly plans. Russia has already indicated a willingness, in fact, a hunger, to get Alaska back. You know, they've never been happy that they sold it to us for shekels. I think it was $7 million 120 or 130 years ago. They would love nothing better than to regain that property. And we know the Chinese <laughs> lust after Alaska, Canada, America, and in fact, all of North America. So President Cadaver and his great defense chief, you know, the Secretary of Dense, Lloyd Austin, I mean, a total progressive moron, they released a 10-year Arctic strategy that emphasizes deterring the increasing Russian and Chinese activity in the region, (laughs) which they blame, by the way, of course, on global warming and climate change and the melting of the polar ice caps, which is drastically transforming the environment. I mean, you know, folks, make me gag. 
Yet another defense little rat-a-tat-tat for you. So the DOD, wonder kids that they are, they stopped deliveries of F-35s, the brand new fighter planes, right? And you know why? Because they, they found Chinese alloys in the parts and the body of the plane. That's right, alloys from China. Now they've given a waiver which would allow Lockheed Martin to resume F-35 deliveries that were halted over the discovery of this Chinese alloy. Now, one will only wonder what happens if, or should I say when, hostilities break out between America, Russia, and China. Does that mean our F-35s aren't going to be repaired? Can't be repaired? Won't be flying? Uh, One only wonders, maybe when they get out of their critical race training theory classes at the military academies, some officer somewhere can fill us in on that, you know, inconsequential concern. And then our last rat-a-tat-tat, because we're about out of time. So the hurricane that hit Florida, and once again, hearts go out to you folks in Florida and you folks in the Carolinas and Georgia, but particularly in Florida. What a mess. I mean, Godspeed to you. But, you know, DeSantis had this thing well under control. I mean, they had preps. They had armies of people ready. They had mandatory evacuation orders. But the storm was supposed to hit the Tampa area. And then at the last minute, it changed and hit Fort Myers, which had not had quite the preparations, had not had the evacuation orders. And there was no way to know that the storm was going to, number one, increase intensity, like within hours, and within hours changed direction, and hit an entirely different part of the coast. Huh, you think there might be a little weather modification going on here? I'll tell you what, take a look at the rat-a-tat-tat section. Project Cirrus, the government's control of hurricane direction and intensity. Oh, yeah. And take a look at the weather modification or the history of weather modification stories on On the Right Side Radio archives. In fact, maybe we'll have those links for you right on the homepage. How convenient that suddenly, with the Fort Myers devastation, which was prepared but less prepared than the areas that were supposed to get this storm up to the last few hours before it made landfall, that the press is now all over DeSantis, you know, a Republican governor in a big 29 electoral vote state who might be the next president of the United States. They're all over him for not being prepared, for not telling the Fort Myers residents to get out of town, to get out of Dodge in time. Huh, is this a coincidence? Wow, before the midterms? No, no way. I mean, our government wouldn't intensify a hurricane and at the last minute shift its direction through weather modification to accomplish a political end, would it? I mean, it wouldn't cause that devastation to people and property and lives just to maintain its power, would it? I'll let you answer those questions. Next week, I'll be bringing you up to date even more on election. And by the way, an insidious executive order of Biden, which is using your federal funds to get out his voters. Oh, yes, the fraud just continues, you know, in these free and fair elections. Look in the mirror. Repeat with your family. Repeat with conviction. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do, and we will win. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Talk at you next week. Keep the wind at your back.